Good evening, hockey fans, and welcome to The Trap. I'm your host, Bill Botch. On today's episode, we're going to look at my projections for the Atlantic Division for the upcoming 22-23 season. I'm going to give you each team's point totals, and then I'm going to give you what Las Vegas has as the over-under for the point totals as well. Then we're going to take a look at who makes it into the playoffs, who wins the division, and then we're going to compare my last episode of the Metro Division to the Atlantic Division, and I'll be able to give you my Eastern Conference playoff team prediction. So what we'll do is we'll start from the lowest, who's going to have the lowest amount of points and come in eighth place in the division, and we'll work our way up to who I have as the division champs. So starting it off. In eighth place in the division, I have the Buffalo Sabres with 72 points. Now, Vegas has them at 77 and a half points. Buffalo has had a rough go of it. I mean, luckily for Buffalo, the Bills are really good. Uh, they, the city's never seen a championship. There are some diehard hockey fans up there. Right across the way, you have the Toronto Maple Leafs, who their fan, their fans tend to invade Buffalo when they play there. I would like to see Buffalo turn a corner and have a good competitive team. You know, growing up, I used to watch Pierre Turgeon and Rob Ray and Dominic Hasek, and uh, it would be fun to see Buffalo good again. They've definitely put in their time being bad, and it's I think that in a couple years, they're going to turn the corner. But unfortunately, I don't see it happening this year. Now, they made a big splash by signing Tage Thompson to a seven-year, $7.1 million contract, which I think is extremely risky. He's had one good season so far. He's a big young kid. He had 38 goals and 68 points last year. But that is a lot of money and a lot of term for a kid that has kind of only had one solid season. Besides that, uh, I I love what they have on the back end. I think Rasmus Dahlin kind of got off, his career kind of got off to a bit of a slow start. But since then, he has been, uh, last year in particular, he was pretty consistent. He's a great skater. He moves the puck really well. He's got some size. I think... uh, him and Owen Power is going to be trying to make the team this year. I'm assuming he's going to play for the team this year. Owen Power is obviously a monster. I think he's like 6'6". If you've ever watched him play at the University of Michigan, uh, the Canadian World Junior team, he was the number one overall pick, obviously. I think he's going to be the real deal. And having those two cornerstone pillars on your back end, nothing but upside uh, coming from the defensive side of Buffalo. They also have uh, Jack Quinn, who's going to be uh, playing for a a roster spot in camp this year. Exceptional speed, um, just a pure goal scorer, played for the Ottawa 67s. He's a good kid I really like. He's a little bit older, too. He was one of the older kids in his draft year. They have Dylan Cousins. They have Peyton Krebs. Um, One thing that I do worry about is... Their goaltending, Craig Anderson and Comrie, are going to be their two goalies this year. Uh, I wonder, I wonder how that's going to work out. That's a, a question mark to me. I think 
moving Jack Eichel was a very smart move. They waited too long. If it was me, I would have got it done a lot earlier. It was a cloud that hung over the team's head for a long time. I can imagine how frustrating and hard it must have been to be part of that team with that distraction going on. So I think the team is better off without him. They traded him to Las Vegas. They got Alex Tuck and then a haul of picks and prospects. So I like what Buffalo's doing. I just don't think that they're ready right now. I think it's going to take a little time. So I have them finishing last in the division. One thing I'd like to say about the Atlantic is it seems to be a division of the haves and the have-nots. Some of the a couple teams at the top are extremely strong, powerful teams who are going to put up a ton of points. And then the bottom half of the division is teams that are going through a rebuild and are the future of the league. So with that said, coming in seventh place in the division, I have the Montreal Canadiens. Now, I have the Montreal Canadiens putting up 73 points, and they were projected to put up 77 points by Las Vegas. They're over-under. Montreal hit the jackpot with the number one overall pick this year. I thought that was really exciting, having the draft at the Bell Center. The whole Shane Wright-Slavkovsky debate went on up until draft day. They... Pick Slavkovsky, he's weighing in at 238 pounds coming into camp. This is a big, big dude. He seems to have a really good personality, too. Um, I, I like him a lot. I think he could be good. You're going to put him put him on the wing. They, they named uh, Nick Suzuki their captain. Now, Suzuki's going to be the youngest captain in the history of the franchise. Obviously... Montreal is not the easiest place to be a captain. This kid has to be mentally very strong, and I hope he's ready for it. Montreal is known for eating their young and being an extremely difficult place to play when you're not playing well, especially when you're the face of the team and you have to be the guy that goes up to the podium and answers those questions every night after tough losses. That is going to be a lot for that kid. Uh, I I'm assuming that he can handle it, and that's why they gave it to him. But um, just on the human side of things, I, I wish him the best because that's not an easy position to be put in. Carey Price is a big question mark. He obviously uh, missed the season last year with a lot of personal issues going on, which I wish him the best. Uh, Carey Price is a real class act and uh, for a long time was the best goalie in the world. He's a could be a generational goalie. People would debate that. Um, so I don't really know what's happening in net with him. Uh, I know that they just signed, uh, gave a contract extension to Caden Primo. They did, however, go out and they were able to take advantage of the Blackhawks on their sell-off, and they got Kirby Doc. I like Kirby Doc. They signed him for four years, three point five million. I think that's a good. Uh, that is a good contract. But I don't think that they're there yet. So um, they lost Jeff Petrie on the back end. But I, I don't think Montreal is ready to make that move yet. And I have them finishing in seventh place in the Atlantic Division. Now, finishing in sixth place is we go to Hockey Town. So we go to Detroit, the Detroit Red Wings. Now, 
speaking of good young talent, you have Mo Sider, who I just love to watch. He's one of my favorite young players in the league. He's physical. He could hop into the play. He's confident. He's patient. He is uh, the future of defenders in the league. So that's a very promising cornerstone that they have. And then they're going to have Simon Edvinson that's going to come and play on the back end with them too, who was a first-round pick. I really liked him. He's got size as well. He's like 6'5", um, and he's a Swedish guy. You know how Detroit loves their Swedes. Um, you have Lucas Raymond playing on the wing. He obviously came in as a rookie and lit it up. He was one of my favorite players in that draft. So they do have some players. They brought in this year Andrew Kopp, who's going to add some uh, physicality, some sandpaper to that lineup. He's a guy that he scores some scrappy goals, and he'll be good for the locker room. They got Ben Sherratt. They got David Perron, who obviously has the Stanley Cup pedigree, has been a, was a staple in St. Louis for a long time. I really think that he's going to teach some of these young guys what it takes to win. And then Iserman went out, and he he actually traded for the rights of Vili Husso and then signed him to a, to a pretty high-value uh, deal. Now, Vili Husso was the backup goaltender or split time with Jordan Binghamton in, in uh, St. Louis. He has some question marks. He looks like he could be a franchise goalie. They got to give him a little more playing time to see what you're really going to get out of him. They they definitely gambled on the contract with him, but I'm curious to see how that ends up. That team is definitely on the upswing. So Detroit Red Wings, I got them with 77 points. So I uh, Vegas has them at 84 and a half points. So we are seven points. I have them seven points lower than Vegas. I don't have them as high as Vegas, but I do think that they have good things coming to them, and it's just going to take a little bit of time. Next up, I have the Ottawa Senators. Now, to me, the Ottawa Senators might be the most intriguing offseason of any of the teams. I really am impressed with this lineup. Now, the question is going to be is, is the lineup as good on the ice as it looks on paper? This looks like a fantasy team almost, and that doesn't always work. But if you go through what they got going on, they just signed Tim Stutzla to an eight-year, $8.35 million contract. They were 34 points out of a playoff spot last year. And they had 227 goals, which was the third lowest goal total in the Eastern Conference. So they need to put the puck in the net a little bit more. Now, they are filled with young talent. You got Stutzla. You got Brady Kachuk. They traded their first-round pick and got Alex Dabrinkit. That's going to help with that goal-scoring total. Um, you have Josh Norris. You have Batherson. Then on the back end, you got Thomas Shabbat and you got Jake Sanderson coming in. So there are a lot of things to be excited about in Ottawa. They're building a new building. And I actually, I really like their coach, DJ Smith. He is a feisty dude. You see him on the bench chomping away on his gum and, you know, getting in the players' faces. I like him. I think he's good for these young kids. He reminds me of the kind of guy you'd want to grab a beer with. <laughs> 
Um, and I'm happy for Ottawa fans. They got the new building going up and uh, I think it's going to, and you know, you got a new building, you got all, you have a whole slew of young players that are going to be hopefully coming up together and forming something special. I think that they're one of the future uh, super talented teams in the league. It's just a question of, is this the year that it's all going to gel? Is it going to take a little bit of time for these guys to get used to playing with one another, learning what it takes to win? And bringing in Claude Giroux was a big step in that. I think Giroux obviously comes home. He's from the area. The guy's been around for a million years, and he's still an impactful player. He plays the game the right way. You know, as a Devils fan, it sucked watching him play for Philly for so long. Uh, it, it was e- he was easy to hate, but you can't deny that the guy was productive and he plays the game the right way. So I think he's going to be a good role model and a good mentor to a lot of these young kids. So uh, while I, I, I like where they're going, I think they're just a really big question mark at this point, and I'm not ready to put them... Uh, you know, into that playoff scenario just yet. I have them at 82 points, so I have them four points less than what Las Vegas has at 86 points. Next, we have the Boston Bruins. Hey, that's some wicked hot chowder. Now, the Boston Bruins, in my eyes, kind of remind me of the Washington Capitals. The Capitals are getting older. They're riddled with injuries. Is it time for Boston to start maybe sliding down and some of these teams are start nipping at their heels and they're not able to keep up? Now, what's not going to help Boston is that Grizzlick is going to be out till November. Brad Marchand's going to be out till December. And Charlie McAvoy is going to be out till December. But they just play a really structured responsible, discipline type of game led by Patrice Bergeron, who, in my opinion, uh, they should name the Selkie Award after him. I mean, let's be real. Any kid that comes into the league that has a 200-foot game gets compared to Patrice Bergeron. He's one of my favorite players of all time. He does all the little things, proven leader, doesn't have much to say, just leads by example, but this, he's getting older, and this is going to be a lot for him to carry this load by himself without the help of these guys. Obviously, they have Pasternak, and they have Taylor Hall, and they have some other players. But you have a new coach coming in. They, they fire Bruce Cassidy. They end up bringing in Jim Montgomery. They traded away Halla for Zaka. Hall is a guy that you could rely on. They bring in Zaka. Zaka is a kid who, as a Devils fan, we watched for a long time. You know, I'm reading on the internet that, you know, Boston is like, oh, you should see him in practice and his shot and this, and we're really excited. And, I mean, obviously they're going to have nothing but nice things to say about this guy. He's hopping on the ice with the team for the first time. But, you know, Zaka's, Zaka's downfall has never been his talent. Zaka has all the talent in the world. He's a, he's a great practice player. It's when he gets into a game and he disappears for games on end. It's it's his drive. It's his heart that's the problem. He's filled with talent. So I'll be interested to see if they're able to 
will that out of him and turn him into what he possibly could be. He has the talent to be a legit uh, goal scorer and productive, consistently productive player. The Devils weren't able to make it happen, and they're going to throw him into the lineup with with the rest of the Bruins. Uh, So I got Boston at 84 points. This is my biggest swing compared to Las Vegas. Vegas has him at 94, so we're off 10 points. I I am concerned about Boston. You know, Mackie Mac and the Funky Bunch, now that's a good band. And I don't feel too bad about it because Boston has made the playoffs and been consistently good for so long. But I think they're getting a little bit older. And you got to remember, Don Sweeney has a lot of heat on him. I, I do believe that this Pasternak contract is going to hang over his head. And he's not the only GM with a big contract hanging over his head, but having Pasternak hanging over his head, that's not going to be easy to deal with. And that could be a distraction as the season goes on if they're not able to get anything done long-term. So we'll see what happens with them. Now, this is where we get into the upper echelon of the Atlantic division with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, I have Tampa at 106 points. Las Vegas is predicting 103 points, so I have them three points higher than Vegas. Obviously, Tampa is a juggernaut. They have arguably the best goaltender in the league and Andre Vasilevsky. John Cooper is a great coach. Their team works great together. Braden Point. Stamkos has, to me, really taken that next step in what it means to be a captain. Just this past year, year and a half, Stamkos has leaps and bounds stepped up as a role model and as a real true leader, what it means to be a captain compared to uh, the previous runs that they had. Obviously, he was hurt for one of them, but Stamkos really is earning his stripes out there, and it's very impressive to watch. Victor Hedman is a, is a choose-up ice time. I mean, there, you can't say enough good things about him. So they lose Andre Palat, who obviously had, was super clutch in the playoffs the past couple years. They lose him. Um, they needed to shed cap space, so they end up moving McDonough, and anybody will tell you uh, Ryan McDonough is one of the most respected people in the game, especially when it comes to uh, locker room culture, leading by example, making big plays defensively, risking your body. Um, they're definitely going to miss Ryan McDonough, but they're so deep that I think that they can continue to push for a Stanley Cup or at least just make the playoffs. They signed uh, Chernak to an eight-year, $41 million deal. They signed Sergachev to an eight-year, $68 million deal. Tampa's loaded, and I don't see that stopping anytime soon. I got Tampa in third place in the Atlantic Division. Next up, the Florida Panthers. Now, I have the Florida Panthers with 107 points, the same as Tampa. Vegas has them at 105.5, so we're one and a half points off. Now, Florida had one of the most interesting off-seasons of any team. 
they make a huge trade for Matthew Kachuk. Now, they trade Huberdeau, Uyghur, and a 2025 first-round pick for Matthew Kachuk. They were able to sign Kachuk to an eight-year, $76 million deal. He's only 24 years old. I originally thought that Florida really got shafted on this. The more I think about it, the less... I, I don't think it's as one-sided as I originally thought it was. Um, I, Mackenzie Weger is a good defenseman, and Huberto, they, all, they both signed long-term contracts, or uh, Weger is in the process of signing a long-term contract. Um, it, it brings youth to the team, and Huberto, they weren't sure if they were going to be able to sign him. So that was a big move. They also, they, their Jack Adams nominee, Andrew Burnett, who took over the team last year, they finished winning the President's Trophy. They move on from him, and they bring in Paul Maurice. So they're going to have a coaching change. They lose Claude Giroux. They lose Ben Sherratt. They lose Marchment. But the team still has a ton of talent, and uh, Aaron Ekblad just keeps – he's every time I watch him play, he gets a little more impressive. So I think Florida is going to be just fine, which leads us to who I picture coming in first in the division, which is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, I have the Toronto Maple Leafs at 109 points. So Vegas has them at 108.5. So they're pretty much seeing the same exact thing that I am. Now, I wouldn't want to be Kyle Dubas. I could tell you that. Toronto has an incredible amount of pressure on them right now. They don't sign Jack Campbell, and they let him go, which Jack Campbell wasn't the problem in Toronto last year. And then they go and they get Matt Murray, which is, to me, baffling. Uh, I don't... Matt Murray obviously had a nice run with Pittsburgh, but the end of his Pittsburgh days and then his Ottawa days have been pretty tough. Uh, You know, he had a 2020, he had an 8.93 save percentage and a 3.38 goals against average. Last year, it was a 0.906 0.906 and a 3.05 goals against average. I think that Kyle Dubas is putting his job on the line by making this decision. If Toronto hasn't been able to make it out of the first round in six years, and if they don't make it past the first round this year, and it's because of goaltending, I think Dubas could lose his job. That's how that's how big this is. They're going to go out with Matt Murray and Samsonov in net. Now, there are a lot of veterans on this team. The team is loaded with talent. They could obviously score at will, it seems like. They are going to lose. They did lose Ilya Mikheyev, but they're so deep that it, I think that they'll be able to survive just fine. One of the big question marks is that Austin Matthews only has one year left on his deal until he's an unrestricted free agent. Now, the longer they go without signing him, the more pressure is going to be on Dubis and the more that's going to become the more that's going to become a thing in Toronto. And Toronto media 
is insane. I and I I I feel for Dubis because if he can't figure a way to get this done, he's going to have a lot of heat on him. So, if you went through if you go back to my what I had for the Metro, I put it I put it together what the Eastern Conference playoff situation would look like. Now, in it would be Toronto and I have Carolina as the two teams winning the division. Then Tampa and Florida, points-wise, would be next. Then the New York Rangers and the New Jersey Devils, they have nine, I have them at 93 points, which is five points above what Las Vegas has them at. Some have even been 90, so three points above what Las Vegas has had them at, followed by the Pittsburgh Penguins and the New York Islanders. Now... Even if the Devils weren't one of the top three teams in the division and get into the playoffs, these wild card positions are very obtainable. Very obtainable. So these wild card positions, they're out there. They're out there to grab. So I really like the Devils' chances going into um Going into this season. Now, obviously, they need a lot of things to fall their way to, to, to end up with a team total of 93 points. They need goaltending. And, I, I, you know, I listen to Sirius, you know, I listen to NHL Network on Sirius, and I listen to other people's podcasts. They love to shit on the Devils. They love it. I'm listening to The Point, and Boomer and, and Jake Hahn are just... They have nothing good to say about the Devils at all. It's like he's saying, oh, the Devils fans are always just complaining about, you know, it was the goaltending, it was the goaltending. Well, it was the goaltending. Did anybody watch Hammond play last year? Did anybody watch Gillies play last year? Nobody can win with that kind of goaltending. Nobody. Hammond's performance was the worst performance I've ever seen of a professional goaltender in the 30 years that I've been watching hockey. It was that bad. So they are. They're going to need their players to stay healthy, and they're going to need solid goaltending. But I think that these last couple playoff spots are going to be, it's going to come right down to the wire. This looks really, really tight. Now I'm curious to hear what you guys think. I want your predictions of how the East ends up playing itself out, who makes the playoffs, Give me a couple surprising picks of who you think tanks or who jumps up the standings. But there is a shift in power coming in the Eastern Conference. We'll wait and we'll see what happens. In the meantime, rookie camp has started. It was cool to see uh, the kids on the ice today. I saw Nemitz out there. I saw Holtz out there. I want to thank... Um, Ryan Novosinski for what he does for NJ.com, for posting some, some video. Uh, I listened to the Let's Go Devils podcast last night, and uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought they made a lot of good points. One of the points that they made last night, not to get off topic, but uh, Fabian Zetterlin, and he was, you know, and they, they were saying, hold your horses on him. Everybody's got him scoring, you know, a million goals, 25 goals, and this and that. I don't think that's the truth, actually. I think if Zetterlin scores 13 or 14 goals, 
but he plays heavy and he skates with you know he skates with some heart and plays with some energy and throws his body around dude is an animal he throws his body around you're just trading him for Pavel Zaka Pavel Zaka would have 15 goals or 14 goals but he didn't play with any sort of tenacity or any sort of physicality so in my opinion that's an upgrade that's an upgrade. I think when you have guys like Zaka out there, it it's not a good look for the team. And it's not a good example for younger kids, too. Because at this point, Zaka is a veteran on the Devils. He was one of our older guys. I'm curious to see what Alex Holtz is going to do. Um, I've reached out to a couple of you guys. We're going to get some people on this podcast, get a couple guests. I'll probably hop on a couple other ones, and we're going to go over what we think the opening night roster could look like. Obviously, there's a lot going on. We still have we still have camp, um, but I'm curious to see what everyone's predict, uh, predictions are. It's a fun time. It's a fun time to be a Devils fan. We've got a lot to look forward to, and I look forward to sharing it with all you guys. So, from the trap, Billy Botch, I'm out.
The devil inside 